0: So I want to talk to you today about dealing with our vulnerabilities. And social media would suggest that in order to live your best life, you only need to highlight the best moments of your week. So if I did this for you, I could put a snapshot of me drinking a really healthy smoothie, of me going to the gym. This is all last week, of course, folks. Went to the gym, had a swim. Matt and I had a lovely date night. Um, uh, yeah, even that happened. And um, <laughs> I achieved, I might have achieved something at work. So if I wanted to do that, I would show snapshots of that week. But it would do deny the kind of other stuff that also happened in the week for me. So um, I would then have to show you a snapshot of me blobbing out on the sofa, eating too much TV, um, shouting at Matt because I was so stressed. So we kind of want to live in the good stuff and we want to kind of deny the stuff that makes us feel weak and vulnerable. And I think this kind of thinking follows a current view that we can actually choose a life that denies the reality of those aspects of our humanity where we feel weak and vulnerable. But we all experience feelings and circumstances that make us feel vulnerable. That's part of being human, isn't it? And I think at different times in our lives we can all experience different things like anxiety, sadness, depression... Sorry, can't turn these pages very well. Death, Uh, grief, (laughs) death of my folder here, disease, lack of physical ability, lack of mental ability, relational strife, stress, loneliness, and perhaps tendencies towards addictive behavior. That's for everyone. That's whether you're a Christian here or not. That's just part of human nature. That's part of the fact that we are broken. We're not the finished article yet. And I think the reason we want to hide or ignore our vulnerabilities and weaknesses is that it just kind of makes us feel better about ourselves. Or maybe you're not a person who is taken up with social media, and, um, but you feel there's a pressure to put your best face on. And I think Christians can be under that pressure even more so. I spoke to um, a man at Alpha on Thursday, and he said he was made to go to church as a child. He had to dress in a certain way. He was told he couldn't cough, he couldn't fidget, he had to look a certain way. And even though we might not experience that, we might still have that sense that we need to put our best face on when we're at church or when we're with other Christians. And we may suffer from that kind of nagging feeling that if you only knew If these people really knew what I was like, they may not want to know me. Brené Brown is a global leading expert on vulnerability and shame. Has anybody heard of Brené Brown? Yeah, she's everywhere at the moment. Yeah, she says in order to protect ourselves from vulnerability, we kind of armour up. We don't want to feel the emotions that vulnerability brings because vulnerability means that we feel afraid, we feel at risk and exposed. So we kind of armour up. We build layers to protect ourselves. When, to stop us feeling those negative emotions. And um, I have to confess that that is my default. I really don't like feeling vulnerable. So when I chose this topic to talk about, I'm really on the journey with you. I'm not saying that I've got this sussed to all. My default is to armour up. But I think the trouble with denying our weakness or vulnerability is that we can miss out on a depth of love and acceptance from God and others that can bring healing, belonging, and love. And I want to explore with you an event that's recorded in the New Testament that shows a beautiful, beautiful interaction between a person in huge vulnerability and Jesus. And this gives us some different ways. This gives us, I think, some principles, some different ways of how to approach our vulnerabilities. If we can get hold of this, it may change actually the way we live. So instead of trying to hide our feelings of weakness and vulnerability and the associated shame that might go with that, we can experience the love, the healing and belonging that God offers when we go to him. Also, instead of putting our emotional armor on, which requires actually kind of a lot of effort, we can know the relief of being honest about ourselves with God and experience the freedom and life that his acceptance and his gentleness brings to our innermost feelings about ourselves. And that's for all of us, whether you have faith or not, God invites us to go to him with all of our vulnerabilities. It's as though God is attracted to our brokenness rather than than any sense of perfection. Instead of thinking that we need to hide our vulnerabilities, I hope that we will come to see that vulnerability with God can lead to healing, belonging, and joy. And the account is recorded in both Gospels of Luke and Mark, and they describe a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years, who touches Jesus' cloak and was immediately healed. I'm going to read it from Mark's Gospel. And then look at the context of the Jewish culture so that we understand the significance of the interaction between Jesus and this woman. And then see how we can apply that to our own lives. So I'm going to read from Mark, verses 24 to 34. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who'd had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered much under many physicians and spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I shall be made well. And immediately the hemorrhage ceased and she felt in her body that she was healed of the disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone forth from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? But the woman, knowing what had been done to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told the whole truth. And he said, Daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And there are a number of details that help us here to hear that this is a story of human vulnerability. First, the main person in this account is a woman, and being a Jewish woman of the first century, as she was identified as unclean, she was not worthy to be in the presence of a male, much less approach and touch a male, much less if he was a rabbi. Her condition of continuous bleeding meant that she would have been viewed as unclean according to Levitical law. And the Jews followed this in order to keep his commands. If you go back into Leviticus, you will find that the passage actually refers to men and women. But I'm not going to go back there right at the moment. So this woman had to separate herself from others during the time of bleeding so as not to make others unclean. So she could not be with others socially, touch others and be in the company of men during this time. So I kind of thought, what was her life like? Physically, she would probably have suffered extreme anemia and tiredness due to the condition that she had. Her hormones would have been all over the shop, making her feel pretty low most of the time. And if we look at that impact on socially, this woman would have been excluded from normal Jewish society. She would have been labelled as unclean due to her physical condition. Therefore, she would have lived pretty much an isolated life. She wouldn't have been able to go to the temple and worship with the other women, so her spiritual life would severely have been quashed. She would have been like a woman today with an incurable, contagious disease. And I was kind of thinking, what example could I think of that we could relate to? I wonder if the Ebola virus is something. If a woman came in here with that virus, we would not welcome her into our midst. We would want to separate her. We would want to keep her very contained and away from us. And I think that's the kind of example that... um, you know that shows how this woman was living. Mark Mark doesn't actually give the woman a name but many other women were named in the Bible because of their interactions with Jesus and because of the roles that they had in his ministry but he leaves her unnamed and I think he does that because it really kind of compounds the insignificance of her existence in that society of of that time. But just imagine what it would have been like to be known as the woman with the flow of blood. The young, clean woman. She was kind of known as her vulnerability. That became her label. I wonder how we can relate to this today, which has made you feel vulnerable. And actually that has become part of your label or your identity. Perhaps an area of weakness that you suffered or circumstances that have made you suffer has now become part of your identity through which you know yourself and then which you actually tell other people about. Or perhaps you're tired of armoring up, hiding your vulnerability because you fear being exposed and that sense of shame and the constant thought, if they really knew what I was like, would they want to know me? I've talked about this before but my mum died now four years ago of depression and it was a really difficult and traumatic time for us as a family but I remember a nurse on the psychiatric ward said to me at that time, Joe, you're the sane one in your family and what she meant was I'm holding everybody up and because of that I think I really... Pat, you know, I really armoured up. That was a time of great vulnerability for me. So I armoured up and I pushed those emotions down. And it kind of served me at that time. But then it's taken me a a while to realise that when you do that, you numb all the good emotions as well. So you numb your feelings of vulnerability and weakness. But you can also numb joy and delight and freedom and creativity. So that's something that I've experienced myself. But I wonder how you kind of relate to this. Are you a person labelled by a broken relationship in your past? Are you a person labelled by a failed career or a job that you had to leave that you didn't want to? Are you a person made vulnerable because of a struggle with addiction issues? Are you a person who turns to alcohol or spending or eating too much for comfort? Or are you the person scarred from a previous difficult work experience or even church experience? Having said all of that, I do believe that vulnerability can lead to healing, belonging, and joy. And we're going to look in the passage at Mark about, and we're going to draw out four key principles about um, how we can live the best life that Jesus offers Jesus offers he's promised us hasn't he he's promised us abundant life that's not a half-life where we're living in the fear of being exposed that's not a half-life where we're trying to numb things down because we fear the fear the risk of vulnerability So the first principle that I want to look at is don't hide your vulnerability with a flow of blood. She was known by that. She could not hide um, that vulnerability. But sometimes when we're dealing with our vulnerabilities, they're known, At other times, they're not known, but the start of dealing with them is to be honest with yourself about the things that make you vulnerable. Hiding what makes us weak and vulnerable never leads to life and freedom. It just plays into shame and the fear of being exposed. Again, Brené Brown said this, Owning our story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Embracing our vulnerabilities is risky but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love, belonging, and joy. So a kind of question to ask you today, or have you numbed yourself in order to hide from them? Now, I'm just going to take a bit of a diversion from going through the text, and I want to to tell you about an enforced vulnerability situation that I just went through a couple of months ago, and it kind of goes into when vulnerability goes wrong. Some of you will know this story. So we moved house a year ago and we've been used to having a lot of workmen around. And I'm sure on one morning it was my day off on a Friday and my deal is that I go for a run, have a shower and then get on with the day. (laughs) Ah, Yes. But I'm sure my husband said, um, Matt said, these workmen are coming to sort the drain out after midday. I'm sure he said that. So I beetle off, go on my run, come into the shower. Now, we've put great big patio windows. So they've got a big patio window in our um, bedroom that goes onto the front where the drain is. The ensuite is kind of on the side here. I have my shower. I walk out into a position of enforced vulnerability because the said workmen took it upon themselves to come an hour earlier. I can't tell you how quickly I ran back into the ensuite. I don't know what. I, but then I thought, oh, you know, God really wants, you know, get over yourself here, Joe. They may not have seen anything. It's all fine. <laughs> Step over yourself. Get over it, girl. So I thought, right, I'm just going to go and offer them a cup of tea and coffee. I'm sure they didn't see anything, Stuart. I'm sure. So I think, oh, you know, it's always good to serve workmen, you know, let's, go, let's do this, Joe. So then I fully closed, went towards them, and they dissolved in a fit of giggling. So I ran back in the house, didn't make any eye contact with it again, would n- never went out to see these workmen. It's a funny and horrible example for me, actually, but it's a funny example that really shows that there are times when vulnerability goes wrong. we think it's going wrong because I think that sometimes we're asking God to change us in an area of weakness or vulnerability and he doesn't do it we can be praying for a long time asking God to change us in that area but just because God is not doing what we want in that area doesn't mean to say that he's not working in other areas of our life I think another way that invulnerability can go wrong is that we can be really open with people and if they don't respond to us in the way that we need when we are vulnerable, we can easily shut ourselves off. We want to protect our heart, don't we? But Graham Cook, who's a brilliant Christian writer, he says God can heal the hurt from others in my heart if I'm open to him. But he can't heal my heart if I build barriers around it. So the principle there really is that we need to keep open to what God wants us to do in our vulnerabilities. And this leads me on to principle two. Uh, the unnamed woman heard the reports about Jesus and she kept herself open to what God would want for her in her vulnerability. I don't think she'd actually seen him healing folks. But I think she perhaps heard women gossiping about this guy, Jesus, who was going around, healing the sick, loving the poor, reaching out to the marginalized. And there's just something within her heart that says, "I, I want some of that. I want some of that. So my uh, question really, an encouragement to you, is to stay open to what God wants for you. If you're not a Christian here today, then I'd really encourage you to come on to Alpha. That's a great course of way to staying open to God and exploring questions about God. And the other thing is, if you're not in a connect group, we saw um, a snap, didn't we, of a connect group in LTV. Connect groups are small groups of people that meet midweek, over time, you're going to be where you can share your vulnerabilities with other people, seek God, and also you get the privilege of walking with other people in their vulnerabilities as well. So stay open. Then the third principle is that we need to approach Jesus and reach out to him. So the unnamed woman came behind him in the crowd and touched the garment You know, if we think about what just had just happened, Jesus had just performed a great public miracle and he was on his next mission. He was going to heal the daughter of Jairus. He was on his way. The crowd was jostling and pushing. They just wanted to be close to him at that time. He was a celebrity. Everybody loved him. Everybody wanted a piece of him. He was a teacher. He was a rabbi. He was a healer. He was the Messiah. Everybody wanted to be close to Jesus. And it was into this situation that the unnamed woman with a flow of blood um, stepped it would have been high octane highly emotional and the unnamed woman stepped into that that would have taken huge huge courage courage actually for her to disregard the jewish law courage to overcome the fear of exposure courage to over she was going to happen when she touched jesus You have to have courage to reach out and to touch Jesus in your vulnerability. You can't really bring your weakness to God without that that step of courage right at the beginning. And sometimes I think we feel we can't approach Jesus with our weakness because we're kind of too ashamed of it. Or we feel that we've asked him too many times for the same things. Or even that what we're asking about is too insignificant for him. But I wonder what you would ask Jesus for if you thought he couldn't see you. If you could sneak up behind him and touch his garment, what would you ask Jesus for? So a question for that is, do you have the courage to reach out to God for help and for healing? Now, principle four is really in the response of what Jesus said. It is a beautiful sentence and it's so powerful He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus knew that power had left him uh, when she reached and touched him. But he gives her this beautiful, life-transforming response to her. And that, that shows how he viewed her vulnerabilities, but also how he views our vulnerabilities. Jesus not only wanted to heal her physically, he could have carried on walking. He'd really got his next mission lined up, but it's as though he had to stop. It was though he had to turn, and he was almost vulnerable to her. He turned, he stopped in his way, and he wanted to connect with her as a person. Although we may want to hide from God at times, he always wants to cut through our shame and fear and restore our relationship with him. In Jesus' death, he has dealt with our sin. Stuff that we've done out of weakness or vulnerability, or stuff that we've done that is wrong and we know it's wrong, and then that. But listen to this quote by Bill Johnson God is not preoccupied with our sin, He's dealt with it, He's moved it as far from the east as from the west. And in that one word, in that beautiful response by Jesus, He does more for this woman than she could ever have hoped for. He says, Daughter. He says, daughter. In that word, daughter, he changed her identity from one who was in relationship with God himself. He gave her the highest honor of being known as the daughter of God. He restored her dignity and standing in the world. She went from a place of shame to honor, from a place of rejection to acceptance, from a place of isolation to relationship. She went from a place of unworthiness and being despised publicly in society to one where she was valued, and this was in full view of Jewish society. In this one interaction, Jesus cuts through the Jewish laws of the day. Not only did he show a welcome of this touch by this unclean woman, but he celebrated it and he showed her absolute love and healing. He demonstrated really the failure of the Levitical law to bring any sense of healing or restoration for this woman's uncleanliness. But he showed that coming into relationship with him was the way that she could be restored and made whole. And this is the same for us. There's no ritual, there's no law that you can follow that is going to deal with weakness and vulnerability and shame. It is only coming into relationship with God. So he does this, I believe, in our vulnerabilities. He turns to us in our weakness, he turns his way. He kind of stops and he goes back to us when we cry out to him in weakness. And he wants us to know his value, identity and us in our weakness and wants to cut through all the shame and fear we may feel by restoring our relationship with him. And he wants us to know who we are, what our identity is in him as his beloved sons and daughters. So my question is, can you listen for God's words over you? In your area of vulnerability so that you see yourself as a daughter or son of the most high God. And um, I said that this was a personal kind of journey for me. I know that I've experienced vulnerabilities kind of at every stage of my life. Last week I shared how much I was compared to my older sister. She's only 11 months older than me. So from the time I was born until mid-20s at least, everything was referenced to my sister. That kind of gave me um, a difficulty with self-acceptance and self-confidence in my early 20s. That translated into me working far too hard, to be honest, in my 30s and 40s as a working mother, this kind of sense that I needed to prove myself, that carried on uh, during those years. And then I've explained that, you know, dealing with the death of one per- parent and uh, my dad now has dementia, I just think there are vulnerabilities I've experienced through all the stages of my life. And I don't think that I'm unique on that. I think we all have that. But my experience of God in all of this, and I refer to um, a, a scripture that I've kind of not really understood, but I kind of think I do now. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, my gra-, this is God, but he's saying, Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you, but my pa- for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And I think when we go to God in our weakness, in our vulnerability, we experience the acceptance of our Father. We, expect, uh, we experience his transforming love. And we experience experiences in all these vulnerabilities. And I guess I'm going to walk out in vulnerabilities for the rest of my life. I just think that is being human. But I know that when I come to God in those vulnerabilities, in those weaknesses, he says, daughter. He says, daughter. And he bestows on me his identity through relationship with him. That kind of takes it all away. And it kind of transforms it. Play a final song. And as they do, I would really like you to think about responding to God in your vulnerability, in your area of weakness. And um, I'd love you if it's possible, for you to stand. And we're just going to move into a time now of you reaching out and touching the hem of Jesus' garments. And as the band just start to play, I'd really like you to think about, you know, Jesus walking in front of you. He's just cured. He's just healed somebody. He's going to go and heal somebody. He's just walking in front of you. And I'd really like you prayerfully and on your own just to reach out your hand. If you identify with anything here, if you are struggling with a weakness or vulnerability right now, just to stretch out your hand. And in faith, Listen, listen to what your father wants to say, listen to him bestowing on you the words my beloved son, my beloved daughter and stay and listen to him as the song plays and see what God wants to do for you as you come to him and you reach out in your vulnerability.